This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Like a warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. <laughs> Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Wartz got here in the Manly Warthog Command Center inside the Melton Law Studio. Melton Law with 50 years of experience, the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, Melton Law won't back down. And we are here in the piney woods of north central Florida in God's country on a nice pretty day, spring day. And we are initiating today a call-in line that is pure call-in. You may call it just as you would anything else on your phone and uh, we'll pick it up and put you in the chat room and let you in when production says it's okay to come in. So we'll give you that number right now. We'll post it out on our screen here. Uh, it is 352-389-3997. That is 352-389-3997. So we look forward to talking with you about anything you really like to talk about. And we'll keep it on um, your topic when you call in. We'll switch over to it. And until someone takes us up on that, we'll um, talk about uh, whatever has happened here locally, which I like to start off with, of course, we had the first ever, to my recollection anyway, and I think this is part of the Napier era, we had the first ever nighttime spring game. Generally, usually the spring game has been uh, held on a weekend, on a Saturday afternoon, and the crowd has sort of meandered in as uh, sort of informal, and we watched the game, and it's all kind of a scrimmage, and it's... Uh, conducted as if it were just exactly that and nothing more, nothing less. But now we have a new era. We're able to stream this game. And a lot of people don't quite understand, surprisingly, that streaming, when you do it, it looks just like on your television set, an actual television show. And it's coming off your internet, streamed yesterday evening through ESPN. and had announcers and all that business, just like, you know, you would think you were watching it on regular TV, so to speak. And those forms are going to blur, I'm told. And they already have. You know, you could watch this game on your phone if you had the ESPN app, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's going to be that type of convergence of media as we proceed here in the 21st century. I want to comment just for a moment what I noticed right away. I didn't watch the entire thing because obviously there were some other events you could have watched. You could have watched... Um, gymnastics, and you could have watched Florida softball. And sort of Florida softball was coming from Mississippi Ole Miss. So you had some choices, and I occasionally go over to the spring game to look at it. And the first thing I noticed immediately was discipline. And I got to tell you, that is the thing I felt was missing, along with a lot of other folks felt, felt the same thing, was missing when we had Mullen here was the lack of discipline. You know, you're the coach. Uh, you've got to be in control. You don't go down and march in parades with them. You don't do that sort of thing. That's their activity, I would argue anyway. Uh, also, you've got to control their 
egos out there on the field. And you also got to remember that these tough guys have been tough guys or they wouldn't be showing up on your playground there. And you got to control the tough guys and make them work together as a team, not create stupid mistakes. There were a couple that I happened to see down on the goal line was one. But uh, it looked as if it were much improved in terms of discipline and attitude. And life is attitude, period. I mean, I was once told that uh, by some players and coaches that I was among it. It all, the only difference was attitude and whether you really believe and want to go make it happen. So life is attitude and maybe the attitude will get a little more positive here, but more directed toward uh, listening to the head uh, people that administrate you and make decisions about you and all for your own good as a team. But we'll see because we have a, a, a joker in the deck and obviously um, we're going to be talking about that uh, much more extensively on Monday when I broadcast from the Spurrier Studio podcast office, their podcast uh, um, studio, and with Franz Baird, who is a well-known sports writer and uh, works in the national and local commentary, will be my guest, and we'll talk about a lot of new wrinkles that could affect college sports as we know them, which you've already heard about. And that is, of course, the NCAA rules about name, image, and likeness. And there's a new wrinkle of that even, that these uh, students uh, who are athletes, and they're more athletes now than they are students, and they're more professional athletes than they are amateur athletes because they're being paid. It's as simple as that. So they're now professional athletes. You, you're watching professional athletes in a college uh, atmosphere. And we'll see how that works out. But even the esteemed coach Saban has come out against this in some recent public commentary. And you're welcome to tee off on it too, whether you think it will improve your interest in the game or not affect it at all or turn you off. And those are some of the things that will be the choices of the fans as we go forward. I suspect it won't make anything difference to them at all as fans, provided uh, that uh, the violence is at the adequate level and the excitement's at the adequate level. The performance is well done. They won't care how it got there. So what remains then will be new issues for the athletes. And one of the things that's going to happen right away that some of them have thought about and some of them haven't thought about, which has been written about by Lane Higgins, and that is that there's going to be, for the first time in their young lives, tax problems. Because uh, there's a particular person named Adis Tony, who's a guard, the Arkansas Razorbacks, he had a pasta dish named after him at a place called Bordino's, which is a swanky Italian joint near uh, the campus in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Now, Fayetteville, Arkansas, I know very, very well. Uh, Arkansas is not, you know, it's just really out in the hinterlands. You got the Ozark Mountains, and <clears throat> there you are, and next, next over there is Oklahoma. And remember, we, we thought Oklahoma was some bad land, so we gave it to the Cherokees. And it turned out it had oil. So in terms of ambiance and all, it's pretty, it's pretty bleak out there. So here we are. We've got guys going to Fayetteville, Arkansas, the University of Arkansas. What's going to entice them? Well, the same thing that entices everybody everywhere else is what's in it for me. <clears throat> so supposedly there's this really nice Italian restaurant in, uh, in Fayetteville. And he's got a pasta dish named after him. 
And he's acknowledged that it never occurred to him that he would also have a problem with every plate of this pasta, fettuccine with shrimp and wild boar sausage, uh, which is uh, takeoff on the University of, uh, of Arkansas's mascot, which is the Razorback. Um, every one of those dishes that's sold through the partnership that has his name, image, and likeness on it or associated with it is going to be money he's going to have to share with Uncle Sam. Well, there you go. On the one hand, it's obviously a blessing, he says, that he has this pasta dish named after him. But uh, and he's going to says he's going to use his earnings for make car payments. Well, there you go. That's a nice trade-off. But it's also, you always remember that you have a partner in everything you ever do. You have, it just says Obama was right about one thing when he said you didn't build that. What he really should have said is you don't get all the money from it. He, he misspoke. It's typical for him. He should not have said you didn't build that. He should have said you don't get all the profit from it. You do get all you know, the risk, but you don't get all the profit. So you got to give us, remember, you always have the government as a partner. If you don't own your home free and clear, I don't own my home free and clear. I got the government as a partner. And it's the taxes. Is it not the taxes? And the taxes never go down. The taxes always go up. Meanwhile, your earning power might not go up. So now we've got these young guys who've got name, image, and likeness are going to be faced with a problem of every, if I go into the, uh, the Bordinos in order, because I just think it's so cool to have this fettuccine dish named after this guard. And guard are, guards, by the way, are notoriously uh, un, un, unrecognizable. You almost never know the name of the lineman. Uh, you have to be really exceptional to get, you know, no, it's always the quarterback first. Your quarterback's always your best athlete. You can bet that your quarterback is going to get the highest salary, so to speak. And uh, the rest of them, is all, they're all out there unsung quite often. But here's a guard, a lowly guard, if you will, who has a, 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 a pasta dish named after him. Now, on top of that, he's really now had to get an agent. And this agent, he had to get because on opening night of this dish, there were more than 20 orders uh, placed in uh, in his name, which he gets a cut of the money spent on that dish. Now, where's, going, where's that money going to go? Um, it's it's, it's, um, it's, it's got to go to part of it, no doubt, to Uncle Sam. So the, uh, the rules that were in NCAA changed last summer. And by the way, they are really only half-baked rules. They, they haven't thought this thing all the way through. They haven't um, begun to close up the leaks in the dike. There's going to be some revision of this stuff over the next couple of years. There has to be. But right now, they changed their rules simply to allow college athletes to make money off their name, image, or likeness, which is where NIL comes from. Now, as a result, uh, these college athletes are going to have to pay their own taxes. And it's going to be a shock for them in many cases to deal at such a young age, perhaps even down into high school, which some of them already are getting money advanced to them down into high school, dealing with the Internal Revenue Service. Now, um, 
some shrewd guy named Peter Schofall has formed something called Athlience, and it is formed to help athletes and athletic departments navigate these NCAA rules. He is a criminal defense attorney by training, and he's founded the company, and he realized these things are going to be problems, so I might as well get out in front of it and become the go-to guy to help you navigate the problems. You know, the old sailor's adage, there never was an ill wind that didn't blow somebody a good. So here this guy's seen this ill wind coming and he's decided to form a company. And if he does it right and he's out there first and he does his own advertising of himself, well, he'll be a go-to guy, I suspect. So these guys, particularly uh, some of these guards, they actually decided to go interview because that's, that's an interesting place to start. A, a guard getting money for his name, image, and likeness is like, why, my guy, you like winning the lottery. So one of the Arkansas guards said that he's never worked a, a, a job with hours. He's never gotten anything for working but cash. And there is the rub here that may be a hidden blessing <clears throat> in this name, image, and likeness. Because the cynics will tell you, and perhaps they're not cynical, perhaps they're just telling you the truth, and I suspect they are, that the um, buying players has always been going on. I mean, a number of different ways it goes on. I remember a story I'm told about the days here when we had a basketball player that uh, we were recruiting. Uh, I'm not going to give you his name. Very well-known, very, very influential uh, uh, um, player that we had uh, and we need to put uh, let's see I'm just going to wear Facebook let's put that number up there again please production so they see it um, and his daddy was uh, in the pulpwood business and, and uh, uh, I know that the coach would go around and say to the booster meetings uh, do you have a fireplace and a lot of people didn't have a fireplace and the coach would say well you do now and what that meant is you're going to buy your uh, firewood from this recruit's father, whether you got a fireplace or not, and that's one of the ways we're going to be able to get the recruit. So if that's the case, and it was the case, I know it is. I know the story. I know the player. I know the father. I know the coach. <laughs> so now that will stop that, supposedly. See, the cash stuff, this guard, from this lowly guard from University of Arkansas makes a very good point. This, this cash stuff you could get away without telling your old Uncle Sam about. But now your pasta dish is going to be have a paper trail and the restaurant's going to pay its share. Uh, the, the consumer's going to pay a share. Uh, you're going to get a cut. And of course, your friendly Uncle Sam will get a cut. So the concept of salary jobs now is going to require that these players, if they're smart, put aside a chunk of money for the government. Now, how do, how do you think that's going to go without an advisor, without somebody to help them? I would have had no more idea about doing that when I was going through college. Of course, I didn't go through college under name, image, and likeness, so the situations are quite different. But nevertheless, I, that wasn't... That wasn't um, something that I thought I would have to, to, um, to, to keep a, a record of. But that's going to happen now. 
there's going to have to be some, and it may be good. It may be good. So um, we're going to talk to Plantation Mark in a moment. He's going to talk about the pollen. Um, you know, agricultural issues are huge, and Plantation Mark, let's let's listen to what he's got to say. Hook him up, please. Would you? Um, production. Hello, Mark. Good morning, Ward. How's it going today? You know, you have the distinction, sir, of being the very first person, and it's fully appropriate that you be the first person to actually use our calling line, our new calling line. Congratulations. I have to create a plaque for you or something. Really, this is a history being made, sir. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not the first time I've called into your show when you was on the radio and stuff. But, uh, yeah, we survived a trip up to Henrico. The pollen is through the roof up here. We missed uh, all the thunderstorms yesterday. They went up either side of us. So now I can get out and turn some more dirt today and hopefully uh, get corn in the ground because 80% chance of rain Monday. And uh, I'm still the IRS on taxes down here. Well, let's talk for a moment about that. It's my subject right now with sports. And, of course, the farmer has financial issues all the time. In case you don't know, Mark, we finally call him Plantation Mark. He's been a steady fan and supporter of us for years. But he, you know, people are curious now, you farm, but you also are so up to, uh, 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 well-informed. How do you manage those two interests? Uh, well, I kind of farm on the side. I really don't make any money on the deal. In fact, I probably lose money with the cost of fertilizer and uh, herbicides and stuff. It, it almost basically tripled this year on some of the products. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of tax loopholes that, you know, farmers can get now, uh, what they call Section 179, where you can write off equipment. But because I'm not incorporated or anything, I can't uh, write the tractor off. It's a one-time write-off, and I've bought like $48,000 worth of equipment since I moved up here in uh 2013 so i don't i don't get any tax breaks on the farming end of it now a lot of farmers do but it takes sometimes years to uh, ride out some of these uh taxes and uh now you don't depreciate over like three years and they've changed the way if you trade a tractor in the difference of that and the new one is becomes uh, earned income vice just deducting the trade-in price from the new price and it's it's all kind of convoluted in the farming world when it comes to that stuff, Ward. We got a listener who's a longtime fan, too, of the show. Whom I don't think you've ever actually met, but follows you. I don't know exactly what she's talking about, but she's asking about the hunting dog law. Do you know anything about that? Uh, yeah, we've we've been fighting through the Virginia Gun Dog Alliance, uh, which our club participates in because we have... Uh, many dog owners uh what they were trying to do here several years ago is end what's called a right to retrieve that means if your dog goes on posted land uh you as an individual dog owner uh don't really need permission to go out there on the property although we always call people when we were on different land and different people's land try to call them on the CB radios or something or the telephone and uh, say, uh, I got dogs in uh, your woods. Let me go over there and get them. And usually there's not a problem, but uh, there's always a st 
sticking the wool out there that don't want you to go on their property so your dogs are stuck over there till they decide to go across uh, property lines. And uh, there was a big push by some of these big private landowners out here who want to do still hunt for big money. I won't mention any names of any corporations down in North Carolina that are trying that up here in Virginia. But uh, we've been fighting that pretty good, and uh, so far so good. And and my particular uh, House of Delegates guy, we just got elected. It beat a 14-year incumbent, and uh, he, he knows how we stand because he actually came to a hunt club meeting one night before the election last year, and uh, he understands the plight of the gun dog owners down here. Well, that's a good question brought in by Jackie Kensler, who is familiar with these uh, uh, PETA and these type of people who are trying to get in there uh, this is, doesn't sound like a PETA issue, but uh, uh, this sounds like an interesting issue of a dog getting on another land in pursuit of uh, its, uh, uh, its, its uh, object there. Anything else you want to talk about? Because you got the phone. You are the first. You are the initiator of our talk line. And I appreciate all the conversation insights you've got into farming and taxes and trying to make money. Um, now, now Biden's talking about going out and putting ethanol in and gasoline and ethanol doesn't make any gas driven thing run any better in my experience. And, but um, the farmers out in the Midwest to do the corn, they like it. So it's, I guess it's who's bore at the cabbage is whether or not you like that rule or not. But um, I'm not in favor of ethanol and gasoline. Yeah, well, let me, let me say this. It costs more money to make ethanol than corn. And I know there's all kinds of byproducts like cattle feed and hog feed and all this, uh, what they, the distiller's grain, they call it. But when you take the amount of water it takes, the amount of energy it takes, and, and alcohol actually has less uh, pound BTUs per pound than gasoline, if you ran 100% ethanol because it's an oxygenated fuel, you'll burn twice as much ethanol as you will pure gasoline. So it really makes no sense. It's more carbon intensive to make the 15 million acres of corn or whatever they uh, turn into ethanol every year than just turning it to, you know, food stock or something like that when we could drill and get natural gas, which, uh, to my surprise, with four Democrats on the county commission up here, we actually got a combined cycle natural gas power plant built in the county, which is worth about $4 million in taxes. So even the Democrats up here are smarter than the ones in Washington. At least we got some revenue coming in the county. But I'm going to try to get some more dirt turned today, and hopefully I can get corn planted before uh, Monday when we have an 80% chance of rain ward. And uh, we'll let you go, and we'll sit back and listen to the show. Thank you so much, Mark, for being a supporter of the show and for calling in. That's plant. Finally calling Plantation Mark. He's up in Virginia, and he is living the, I don't know, most interesting life off the land and also well-informed. How many, you know, I guess you'd have to go back to the days of agrarian life to find any people like this. I'm so proud to have him with us. He's got uh, short, he has CB radios, and he has, uh, he's connected with people in Australia and all this. Very interesting, very, very interesting fellow. So our, our phone line, again, is we, I think we've got the number up here, is, is um, uh, one we'll be inviting you to use, 352-389-3997. And um, Mark segued in on uh, one of the issues we were talking about with these youngins 
who are now going to have their problems with taxes, just as farmers have their problems with taxes. And that is they're going to be making money off the pasta dish named after them. And it's going to be traceable. And therefore, they're going to have to give their share to the ever-present old uncle uh, Sam, so to speak. Uh, so the biggest surprise to them is probably going to be they'll have to start worrying about money. So, you know, it's a, <laughs> you know, they're welcome to the world. Um, before, I guess they just were going to play sports and live the college life. Well, they're not anymore going to do that because they're the, of their, uh, uh, primarily we're talking right now about football because the female athletes earning potential, it tends to peak uh, during college, uh, not much after or before. Uh, so there is really such a thing as near as we can say, see uh, as gendered income disparities. And we've been concerned about this as we've seen this collective and I'm going to have more on this Monday as we talk with Franz Baird, because it's an interesting subject about our culture and whether or not really there's going to be such a thing in the sports world as gender equity, gender equity, because gender income disparities definitely exist. You take a look at the tip of the hat that Napier made to Kelly Ray Finley, the female basketball coach here in Florida, just newly hired full time to be a captain or something or other of one of the teams. Uh, that was the tip of the hat. And it uh, also he shared it with the and, uh, basketball head coach. It was kind of a, a good gesture to include those two sports. But those two sports, particularly the female uh, athletic world, could really not profit from the whole NI thing right off the bat as much as the males do. And there we go. We'll have what is called a gendered income disparity. Now, probably what these athletes are going to have to do is form an LLC that will allow them to write off certain expenses associated with their business deals. Um, if they have to go somewhere for a photo shoot and they get in their pick them up truck or whatever it is, however they get there, and they pay for that gas to go there, uh, they can write that off if they're an LLC. So uh, some of these people are going to be advised to uh, keep, uh, keep in front of this by these sharp-eyed guys who may be ahead of the whole curve and be organizing a kind of advisory company to help them navigate this. Now, heretofore, what these athletes have had to look out for were the sharksters, the guys that would take advantage of them. Um, there were characters around here that I don't want to name, but you can research them, that would really rip off their own people, so to speak. Uh, athletes that would come to represent athletes, and then their athletes were not represented, and the characters made off with what should have been the athletes' money. So hopefully that part of it all, now that it's, so to speak, out in the open, will we'll, uh, clear up some of that business, and we won't have to... Uh, uh, you know, go criminally looking for some of these characters. So, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things out there that no doubt will turn out to be major deals. Uh, uh, this uh, a, a writer of this article, Lane Higgins, points out that, you know, you've got the ever-present Gatorade. Uh, you've got, um, you know, you've got the Nike world and, and all that business. So these are big contracts. You know, the University of Florida used to be a Coca-Cola now it's a Pepsi-Cola. Those are big, big bids that go out. And uh, whoever 
the university decides they can make the most money from, that's who they go with. So uh, we'll find out uh, what, um, what this is all going to be because uh, there are no experts in, in finance yet, these young guys are. But, you know, once these pasta dishes start getting sold and uh, then they become, they're going to have to become some sort of quasi expert in the pasta dish that is named after them. Geez, I wonder if I can get a, what would it be named after me? Oh, golly, don't, 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 uh, don't even go there. My golly, I can, I can see now what the suggestions would be. Uh, holy tamole. 352-389-3997. Our initial caller has been appropriately so. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark Cook, we call fondly Plantation Mark, who listens to us from Virginia, who used to live in East Gainesville until he just couldn't take it any longer. And uh, <laughs> I suppose, I suppose uh, he's, to get, he's to be commended for that. He certainly, he grew up on the east side of town. He went to the schools there, if I remember correctly. When we get back uh, from our break here, it's very interesting. The, the data is starting to come in now on comparing the states and quote unquote, their COVID performance, what we call their COVID performance. And there's a, an analysis of this that uh, has uh, uh, come out that I wanna share with you. And it really supports DeSantis. It, it doesn't start out to do that. It just by being an analysis, it concludes that. And, you know, DeSantis is one of those guys, you have to realize, I talked to a man yesterday, oh, my wife can't stand DeSantis. I said to, my, to him, I said, well, you know, we're not listening to her. Obviously, she's got bad information or some grudge or something's wrong. That's, the data is undeniable about what DeSantis has done in terms of keeping the state operating economically. And also, all you have to do, if you didn't have DeSantis, you'd have Gillum. Really? That's what you want? Wow. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files after thanking our sponsors. Stay tuned. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page, or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, Thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Uh, Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. 
Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Command Center. You know, we publish the mugshots, and we want to thank Maurice, the law office of Maurice T. McDaniel for doing this, sponsoring these mugshots for us. There are 45,000 hits a month on that mugshot link. People want to know about crime. We thank Maurice T. McDaniel office for sponsoring this. So people check it every day, and people check it in banks, they check it in businesses because, um, after all, these people don't stay in jail. They come right back out and walk among us wherever we are in our shopping or down the street. And uh, it's, 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 um, it's no wonder uh, that we have rising crime because we don't really do anything about it, in my humble opinion. The COVID report is interesting. You know, for a while, as we started with this COVID thing, I thought, well, maybe I'd have a, a, a section on the agenda for the day to share with my students um, some discussion about COVID. But then that grew and grew and grew, as you knew, as you know, as you recall, and it became something we talked about every day. I had to have a section on it, an update on it. And it was very difficult to figure out, quote unquote, the truth, which has always been the case. It's why I come back to the show to help you try to find it and me and then you help me try to find it because it's uh, it's it's not easy to find and in covid it was so politicized and probably no more so here than in Alachua County where the democrats have been hiding behind the mass and have viewed it as by the people who are confronting them about this heavy-handed mask order to be heavy-handed government people who want to interfere and micromanage every, everyone's liberty. So it became a kind of them versus us deal. And it became, in many ways, Republicans versus Democrats. Well, now there's a study that has come out that compares COVID outcomes on the economy, on education, and on health. And this is done by the National Bureau of Economic Research. And the authors are University of Chicago economists Cass, Casey Mulligan and Stephen Moore, and uh, they uh, compare COVID uh, outcomes in the 50 states and the District of Columbia based on these three variables, the economy, education, and mortality. Now, this study um, contradicts right off the bat much of what you, we were hearing as conventional medical and media wisdom, especially in the first year when there were all these severe lockdowns that were described as the best and only approach. Now, the study is published in the States of COVID Performance Review and Outlook Opinion section of the journal, but it's been made by the University of Chicago, Mulligan, Moore, and Phil Kirpin, whom we have on the show regularly, who's a regular guest 
uh, of the committee. He's, he's of the committee to unleash prosperity. He's been participating in this as well. If you remember, Phil, he's a regular guest on the Ward Scott Files, and he comes uh, from the American commitment where they do nothing but study and come to conclusions and then share those conclusions in appropriate places and actually influence, in many cases, policy. So the uh, comparison has been in these 50 states in the District of Columbia, and the states are ranked, and I want to really tip my hat again to Phil Kirpin, uh, just a real big friend of the Ward Scott Files, and to Stephen Manfredi group that books Phil Kirpin with us, Stephen Manfredi's group is in uh, Washington, D.C., and they have always sent guests our way from Sidney Powell to um, you name it. Um, they have booked them with us. So we're very, very grateful for that. And your donations and sponsorship helps that. So the, uh, um, the, the top 10 and the bottom 10 states during COVID-19, and these scores combine the economy, education, and mortality. And what you find uh, is the top 10 in rankings are the smaller states, generally, which you would understand. There's not as much population there. There's not as much uh, density, if you will, of people living with close to each other. So the top 10 in the rankings are the smaller states, with one notable exception. There is one notable exception. And I don't need to give you many uh, uh, guesses about what state that is. It's Florida. Florida is the only big state that ranks among the top 10, the rest of which are little states. Now, you remember that DeSantis was derided, and believe me, right here in Alachua County with these nincompoops that run the Democrat machine here. They constantly derided DeSantis. In fact, he was even called the governor death sentence. Governor death sentence. Now, Florida ranks third, okay? Now, these are all the states. Florida ranks third for the least education loss, okay? Think about that. Third in the least education loss. Now it's in the middle of the pack on mortality, a ranking 28th, but California ranks 27th and 27th, California had stringent lockdowns and school closures, stringent lockdowns. And Florida, which didn't have either one, does no, there's no difference. So the lockdowns and the stringent closures, for those of you who are complaining about that, this study demonstrates the wisdom of what you were complaining about. So you have here Florida ranking 13th in economic performance. The worst in economic performance was California, ranked 47th overall because its shutdowns crushed the economy which they ranked 40th in, and school, which they ranked 50th in. 
California is the worst governed state in the union. And COVID demonstrates it. COVID demonstrates it. The study. If you ever wonder about it, and if you ever wonder why I say, geez, I just think they ought to go ahead and break off because of the San Andreas Fault and float out to sea and become another Hawaii, which is, by the way, is owned by the Japanese. And it's at the rock bottom. We're going to get to uh, Hawaii at the rock bottom in everything but mortality. Their stringent lockdowns put them at the top in terms of beating the mortality rate, but at the very bottom in terms of education and um, um, economy. <clears throat> so this is what we call about education is children who lost school time, okay? And what we suggest here is uh, there's a correlation between health and economy uh, that suggests states that withdrew the most from economic activity did not significantly improve health by doing so. So the argument here locally from Ken Cornell and his illustrious group, I guess they don't really think about the economy because none of them really has to rely much. They're getting paid $85,000 a year for being a county commissioner for a part-time job. I don't know if they even know what economy means. Um, the result was a, a, a um, real interesting outcome, was it not? And Phil Kirpin right in there uh, leading the analysis of this along with these two uh, researchers from the University of Chicago. Now, the conclusion drawn is that the reason there's this disparity among the states and the reason Governor DeSantis has shepherded us through and kept the economy and the education components of this study very strong while not increasing in any significant measure a mortality rate over that of other states, which did the opposite of what he did with the economy and, and, and education, is you could thank the U.S. Constitution because the federal system of the U.S. Constitution was largely responsible for allowing the individual governors to govern their own states. And it prevented Biden from dictating a single national policy from the federal bureaucracy. The Constitution, the Constitution, I think that's the way someone, I heard somebody here as a listener of our show said, he always says the Constitution. Uh, the Constitution kept, of course, these governors' power to govern their states. And if you ever wondered what well, one of the strengths of that is, take a look at how Florida did with COVID under the guidance of Governor DeSantis. All right? So if you're one of these people who, who um, I know my wife just can't stand, well, you just have to tell her to go to her room. Because we're dealing with facts here. Okay? We're dealing with facts. Now, and by the way, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I want to give you a call in a number again, 352-389-3970, uh, 352-389-3970. Three, three, 
love to hear. Uh, um, yes, Tim Martin is pointing out federalism was intended by the founders to create state competition. And Tim, that's exactly what this study concluded. And of uh, that because the, the, the Constitution gave the governors the, the, the ability to govern their own states uh, and, and, and the sharpest comparison and contrast perhaps in this whole study is between Newsom in California and DeSantis in Florida, because in many ways, Florida and California are similar. Both have Disneylands and Disney worlds and uh, untamed growth and a lot of population, great weather, got water, California on one side, of course, we on three sides. And, uh, but we've got a world of difference in stewardship by the governors. And it sure comes out. And next time we have Phil Kirpin on, I'm going to hope I can ask him to talk a little bit more about this because um, I've always you know, thought that what the American commitment does is really good work. And um, in case you're wondering about the Ward Scott Files ability to uh, um, spread the information around and get objective reports and get good people, uh, that's definitely, Phil Kirkman's definitely uh, one of them. Um, so the <clears throat> IRS, you know, I just wanted to double back here a little bit uh, on, on, on Obama because I was thinking about these uh, youngins now in athletics and name, image, and likeness having to navigate the IRS. And you have to realize that um, Obama was called into the White House the other day to cover for old Uncle Joe. You know, production, do we have that handy Uncle Joe trying to remember where he was on the stage? We're going to show you Uncle Joe on the stage here. I've forgotten where um, he was. Uh, um, he was, but I think some were making a speech and he couldn't find his way off the stage afterwards. And he shook hands with somebody who wasn't there. Can we run that? America. God bless you all. God bless you all. There we are. We had to run that. There's old Uncle Joe. And if you saw it with your own two eyes and he turns to, I don't know what he thought. He turned and wasn't anybody there. I guess he thought somebody was standing there next to him and had introduced him and that he was therefore going to <clears throat> shake hands with that, shook hands with the ghost. Nobody shook hands. And then I don't know if he could find his way off the stage. I think he thought he was supposed to go to the left. <clears throat> he ended up going to the right. He appeared to be confused about that. I was uh, cautious about whether he'd stumble because I think he had to go down a step. Uh, don't ever let that guy go down a step without a railing. So it's a wonder he didn't wind up flat on his face. But the reason I bring that up is they had to bring Obama in last week 
to uh, you know rewrite history and shore up the, the loose ends here with this character. Um, you know, you got Pelosi, who's over 80-some out there wandering around the halls. And then you've got, lately she's made the news as Diane Feinstein, whom we, we've known she hasn't been playing with a full deck. And now even her own people in the, in the Congress have begun to worry about whether she knows where she is or not. Um, we know the precarious nature of our leadership. If Uncle Joe was to fall out, uh, then we would go down to Kamala Harris, who, my golly, don't even get me started on her. And if she were to fall out, we'd have to go down to Pelosi, 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 and all down the stair, on down the stairway there. And you don't have anybody around who knows what he's doing. In the opinion of many people, let me spread it out that way so everybody doesn't say, oh, Ward Scott, he's just that, it's that. It's not just me. I mean, it's just people looking at this character. So, you know, Obama last week came, came to the White House. One of the things Obama tried to do was, and this is an analysis that's done by uh, many people keeping their eye on this dude, uh, but, you know, it doesn't seem to make any difference how people, how people vote or think. This is, a, um, this is the opinion page of, of, of the journal, but you don't know who wrote it, but some of the editorial opinion staff. But here, here's, here's, here's what Obama said that he grappled with the incursion into Crimea. Uh, he grappled with it? He never grappled with it. He stood by and let it happen. And he says that he's surprised by the Russian leader's brutality. And he witnessed what he did in, um, in Crimea and Chechnya. He had no qualms there about that. He said this all while speaking about his concern about disinformation in politics while he himself is putting out disinformation. Now, this is how the world works right now. You, you have to understand that you need a code to decipher what you hear. If you don't have that code, you're going to be taken around the proverbial mulberry bush. If you just listen and you think what you're hearing is so, you have to flip it on its ear to get what's really so. And, you, you know, you could go back and take a look uh, that Obama basically is claiming ignorance about Putin. He's claiming that Putin just became this way since he, Obama's not been in office. Now, of course, he's covering for Biden, wouldn't you think? And in 2012, do you recall that Obama accused old Romney, who's another one, I think, needs to go out to pasture, of, um, of um, seeing Russia as a threat. So also, do you recall that when Obama thought the microphone was off, he told Putin's henchman, when he thought no one was listening, that he'd have more latitude to cut Putin some slack after the U.S. election. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Now, only thing that Obama really ever did was lobby NATO to increase her annual defense spending to 2% uh, of the GDP, GDP, and mostly NATO ignored him. They didn't pay attention to Obama. So now it, it's understandable that Obama would have to come back because the Biden administration, I don't know if you understand or knew this, is loaded 
with the same men and women who worked for Obama and who made the same mistakes about Russia that Putin knew Biden would make. <clears throat> there you are. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it, it, it bewilders you. It bewilders you how nobody catches on to these people, how nobody kind of understands uh, you know, what, what is going on. Well, Twitter and, uh, and, and Musk, we got to talk about that for a moment in the last few minutes we've got left. Um, we have got Elon Musk offering to buy outright all of Twitter. I got to say, it's not a bad idea. I don't use Twitter very much. I, I see some people out there use it. A friend of mine here locally uses it. I think he just uses it. He never has anything important to say on it. He just uses it to keep his name out there. Yeah, he's a pollster. And, you know, how else do you let people know you're around? You can do it really quick with a snapshot remark. It means nothing, little or nothing on Twitter. So I don't use Twitter. It, it, you know, I'm not interested in it. But I did learn some things about it that I would not have bothered to learn had it not been for this controversy about uh, yeah, good luck, Lloyd, getting out of NATO and, uh, and, and the UN. That ain't going to happen. The bigger thing, Lloyd, you should be petitioning. You ought to call in. The bigger thing you should be petitioning for is getting Russia out of the UN. Start there. That's the place to start. Get Russia out of the UN. Well, anyway, Twitter, I didn't know this, but Facebook has 11 times more daily active users than Twitter. Okay? And YouTube has five times more revenue than Twitter. So Elon Musk offer to buy it, whether it's financially profitable or reasonable, really not, doesn't appear to be Elon Musk's point. He's really concerned. And it's what he says he's concerned about. And if you look at the value of Twitter and what he's offered, you have to kind of believe him. Um, you have to kind of believe him that um, he's concerned about free speech because we know that Twitter is not a public platform. Facebook is not a public platform. And by that, we mean that it's not censored. We've been censored several times by YouTube and Facebook for simply using the voter beep word. So this is a, uh, According to Musk, important to the future, he uses the phrase future of civilization, that we create a public platform that is trusted. In order to do that, really, the only thing I know is to compare it to my experience in the classroom. I had no censorship in the classroom. If somebody said something stupid, it wasn't my job to say it was stupid. It was my job to teach the students how to determine it was stupid. And if something's really stupid, there's all sorts of examinations you can put it up to. And, and, you know, you teach the logical fallacies, you teach the rhetorical strategies, you teach the sentence structures, you, you teach inductive deductive reasoning, you teach syllogisms, and then you, you teach the students how to use those. And so you can say anything you want to. That's okay with me, say it. But when you say it, we're going to put it up to those examinations, just as I hope you do me. I hope you're knowledgeable enough that when you hear my presentation, you know to examine its rhetorical strategy structure, its sentence structure, its uh, 
inductive deductive patterns, it's syllogisms, it's fact versus opinion statements. I hope you know how to put all these tests together because that's the way you will truly be able to defend your society and defend your, but we don't have that. We don't have that in the university. I can't tell you how many uh, instructors never bring up the things I just brought up. Just in setting the structure alone. They, they, don't, they don't have a clue what a, a present perfect progressive tense is. You know, and can you put a present perfect progressive tense in the passive or active voice, either one? Well, it depends on whether it's a transitive or intransitive verb. Did I just lose you? Did I just lose you? Well, you wouldn't be lost if you were my student. You would know all those examinations. So what we have is we have a platform, social and political platform, that is worth more politically than it is in its stock price. And the reason it's worth more politically is because nobody applies any examinations to what is said. I see these statements coming on here with you all. And I take a look and I see some of the things really should be subjected to some of the examination I just said, but you know, it's okay. It's a face chat. It's a chat. Okay. So um, this is one of the things that uh, we've more formally investigate and teach in a, in, a, in, a, in a classroom, but that's not what's going on. And I can tell you, that's not what's going on. I was there. So uh, we, we st Twitter started to hammer about misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines before they even knew anything about the study that I just cited to you that was done by Phil Kirpin and the two people from the University of Chicago. So they already determined what was misinformation about COVID-19 vaccine without any documentation that would validate or invalidate what they had determined. They're doing the same thing with the election beef. They've made up their minds already that it's a false narrative and they, the dust hasn't even settled on history yet. <clears throat> and they've done it without any examinations. <clears throat> if we had not done the examinations we had done locally about the jail, nobody would have known about it. Nobody. They would have gotten away with it. Scott free. So the only law really that this should be subjected to, in my humble opinion, and you know that I'm never wrong, are the, are the examinations of critical thinking. Just the examinations of critical thinking. If you have all those techniques, you don't need the government to tell you what to think. You don't need the Twitter algorithms to tell you what to think. You don't need the Facebook algorithms to tell you what to think. You can apply it. And you can decide what you want to listen to. See, the, the people's wives and things that I hear, all oh, they should and like, she hadn't done any examination. I would subject those, uh, I, would, I would, in a real, but this is the problem with voting. That person can vote with no more examination of his or her opinion than what came out off the top of its head. That's the problem with voting. You don't have to know anything to vote. I've heard people say, grown, intelligent people say to me, I just didn't vote for Trump because I just didn't like his personality. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You can't be serious. Well, that's all they know. That's all they have to go on. 
All right, we're going to sign off. Thank you, Ken Hillier, for a happy, happy Easter. Happy Easter, everyone. Uh, have a good time with the bunny or the real religious meaning or with your friends and family. Uh, thanks, Plantation Mark, for calling on our line. And we'll be back Monday. Take care. Warthog Command Center out.